Never give up, never let go may sound like a simple catchphrase, but for Dr. Leo Alvarez, Executive Director of Lifeline Colorado, those words represent the amazing journey of going from a gang-related felony conviction to earning a PhD and making a positive difference to hundreds of people through his counseling work. You're going to love Dr. Leo's passion and his story of transformation, hope, and love on this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast, where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark, and I am thrilled to have a conversation with Leo Alirez, Executive Director of Lifeline Colorado, an organization devoted to assisting its local at-risk population in Denver in finding love, acceptance, and safety, and to help them discover opportunity they may not have been given. Leo is a certified addictions counselor and licensed with the National Gang Crime Research Center. A Denver native, Leo is a former gang member who for nearly 20 years now has been working to prevent criminal behavior and provide positive interventions. Awesome. He has served on the Denver Crime Prevention and Control Commission, and Denver Mayor Michael Hancock selected Leo as an honoree of the My Brother's Keeper Initiative in 2017. In 2014, Leo was critical in passing historic legislation in Colorado concerning Department of Corrections reentry initiatives for successful reintegration of adult offenders into the community. He holds a bachelor degree in addictions with a minor in high-risk youth from Metropolitan State College of Denver, as well as a PhD from the University of Urban Studies and Adult College. Leo's mantra is never give up, never let go, and his mission is to spread love. Dr. Leo, thanks for being with me today. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, let's start with how would you describe Lifeline Colorado to somebody who's never heard of it before? Lifeline Colorado is an organization that's going to wrap around someone to give them an opportunity of love, security, and safety. Opportunities of healing, education, employment, entrepreneurial opportunities, and the retention of all. Uh, Making sure we never give up and never let go because um, our biggest mission behind all that is we believe we're we're born on purpose for a purpose and it's our blessing and opportunity to help them identify their purpose and live within their purpose as there's nothing more purposeful um, to allow our community, each individual, family, and community member to not just survive but to strive in life to get what they need, want, deserve, and desire out of life. That's awesome. So I know you've told it probably a million times, but I'd love for you to tell your story. You know, how did you get to this point of where you're, uh, you know, a teenager and you're in the gang life, and now you're doing this incredible work of of helping so many people? Wow. You know, um, being younger, um, flirting with the subculture of gangs, really being affiliated in that area. I'm heavily involved in drug distribution. You know, I I seen a lot of things, did a lot of things. Um, But that was my behavior, that was not my heart. And through that time, I never felt good about what I was doing. But the greed of money and the need of money um, just to be able to survive for ourselves and our family allowed me to justify um, the behaviors that was just not right by my heart. But through that, I, I, I developed habits 
and a cold heart because the world was cold. Yeah. You know, and with that being said, I, I lived that life to the fullest. And from that, you know, um, being locked up um, in the time where it was uh, just sitting in there and got a visit at one time, and that visit was my mom. And uh, she looked at me and cried in a whole different way. And mm-hmm. she said, Leo, you're literally making me sick. And from that time when the visit was open or ended, um, I went in, went back home, which was my 8 by 10 cell. And I had to look in my mirror and understand that I was giving the hood more loyalty to, than the woman that gave me breath. Mm. So I knew there was one thing that needed to be changed, and that one thing was everything. Um, so through that, um, I then um, sent writs to judges and um, finally got seen a couple months later. And from that, you know, I let them know I, I need help. Incarceration is not what's helping me. Yeah. Uh, when I come out, I'll be involved in the same thing because my world um, right. is consumed of that. So I need help to learn to unlearn this process. Letting the judge know there's one thing that I need to change and that one thing is everything. I just don't know how. <laughs> Love that, um, that one thing is everything. Yeah, so wow. I had to uh, spend actually a couple months longer, almost six months longer, um, um, locked up at that time um, to wait for a bed into into rehab and at that point you know i met some phenomenal counselors and they identified and they seen my heart outside of what i did and what my black old black and white piece of paper my record described of who i was right they were able to deep down and see who i was um and they asked why i was doing what i was doing what i wanted to do i said i'd love to do what they're doing and they said why don't you i said well i have felonies on my records they said well guess what so do we ah. So from there, um, I seen a new purpose in life. Um, and individuals didn't literally hold my hand, but helped me enroll into college. And from there, I just never looked back. And I jumped into arenas with people that had my best interest at heart and weren't just around me because of the money and the dope um, and what I was willing to do um, for them and vice versa, you know, is someone with genuine interest. Yeah. And then I realized people can change. Yeah. And from that, um, here I went 20 years later. And you're living it. I love Absolutely. it. So I listened to an interview with you once that I thought one of the most awesome things you said was, one of the worst neighborhoods we can live in is our own mind. Is our own mind. And so, so talk about how that can manifest itself, because you've obviously lived it, when you get so desperate. You know, how can that manifest itself in such bad ways? Yeah. You know, well... Uh, Clinically, 90% of our brain is subconscious. 10% right. of our brain was what's conscious. How about that? So when it's fed through media, through music, through your everyday life of the communities you live in that are just set up to survive, subcultures are created to be able to survive, and then they just continue on breeding what they breed, right? Um, so what that does is manifest a perspective of lack of empathy, no hope, but survival of the fittest because we all are, right? right? So then what that does is create a thought of, I have to do what I need to do to survive for myself and my people Mm -hmm. and not allow the world to take that from us. So from that, you know, if your perspective is that, that creates your thoughts. Your thoughts create your actions. Your actions then long enough create your habits and my habits were that. You know, um, I lost the identity of Leo, of who Leo was, I just identified by the purpose that the hood assigned me, mm-hmm. you know? And then from there was my character and my destiny was what it was in that momentary mm-hmm. time. So think of that now, having walked that walk, the work you're doing now, 
you have to be able to, it has to be such an advantage for you in breaking down barriers that when you're sitting in front of somebody that you're like, I've been exactly where you are and I know what you're going through. Absolutely. You know, um, I called it, uh, people call it lived, lived experience. Yep. I call it lived expertise. Right. Um, I, like I believe that. in the spiritual realm of it. You know, I was being molded from day one, um, you know, in this subculture mm-hmm. and luckily enough to stay alive through the subculture as I buried many friends and some family members due to the subculture. Right. Um, was gang banging during the summer violence. Right. right. But with all of that, you know, it gives me a niche, I would say, to be able to see past people's behaviors right. and look into their hearts and souls and allow them to know that it's the hood that assigned them a purpose. It's not necessarily their purpose. Right. You know, so with that, we have the ability to establish a phenomenal relationship, which then with that relationship establishes trust. And yeah. once we establish trust, where they know it's never let, give up, never let go, that's where we start moving forward with our individuals. Right, because everything I've learned about trauma, and a lot of this is trauma, right? People go through traumatic experiences uh, in desperate situations. So much of getting over that trauma is finding somebody that you can open up and share that with who's, who's had similar experiences. So now you're the guy saying, hey, I've been there. You can you can turn this around and really be positive and make a positive impact. Yeah, you know, and um, it's such a blessing. Because in my history, I offer two outcomes, an eight by 10 or six feet under uh, (laughs) type of behavior that I was leading people. And uh, from that, I get to lead now towards life opportunities for someone to be able to obtain what they need, want, deserve, and desire out of life. And it's a a total 180 change uh, within myself and the opportunities I get to offer each individual family and community. I'm no longer a poison, I'm a solution to the poison. That is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Eight by 10 or six feet under. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, and when we talk about barriers, you know, this is something that I don't think gets talked much about, and I'm, I hope I don't butcher it. Recidivism. You know, I'd love to hear your story of, of driving legislation through because, you know, you lived it. Oh, I've got felonies. I I got no shot here. But that's not the that's not the case. And you have helped drive that through. I'd love to hear that whole background of, you know, that barrier of recidivism and and your work to break that barrier down a little bit. Absolutely, you know, growing up living in, in communities of color and, and fast forwarding into my professional world is serving communities of color. Um, you know, Jay, this is real, you know, the, the system is working exactly how it's designed mm. and, you know, to suppress and oppress, right? Um, and, and, and it puts us in marginalized arenas and right. it's been difficult, you know? So with that being said, going through my career, um, I was having barriers to, to my programs and it made it that much harder to succeed with each individual family and, and to make a difference within the communities. So what I had to do is is then learn, broaden my mind where I was at and figure out how can I help this scenario? Um, because within the systems, there's good people within the systems, but so the system course. is the system and right. it's hard to navigate. So how do I find the hearts within the systems, right? Um, 
So I understood that once I opened my mind, I started looking in the legislation and the uh, legislation and the law worlds of things, and I understood a lot of our laws were 1940 and 1960, which oh, is this is the 21st century, and we need to bring it up to have that response. So um, at that time, I was fortunate enough to know Colorado Criminal Justice Reform Coalition. Um, Christy Donner is actually the founder and executive director of that um, phenomenal friend, a mentor of mine, and helped mentor me. Um, amongst her mission, that's what her organization does: is policy reform and legislation appeal, etc. Um, so I gravitated on people who knew that world, and from there we created new house bills. Um, first time in history, Department of Corrections had to share their budget with community organizations. That is to, so um, awesome. Not for community to come in and, and say we could do it better. It's to be able to come in as community to be able to find out and identify how how community and and systems can identify ways to parallel and complement one another in our grand mission of serving each individual family and community. Right. Um, so yeah, we, we, we have to introduce a bill. We have to go through the senators. Um, it has to go to the House of Appropriations and then finally get signed into a bill. And uh, we've been able to be pretty successful with that in the reentry world, youth violence reduction world, and the mental health and substance abuse world. That's awesome. Thank you. We needed to create our own money um, to be able to be effective with our people because um, one thing within our communities is there is a lack of trust because so many people come in and spread hope but come out once grant, grant dollars move away. Right. So how could we as professionals be more strategic to not create, to continue creating abandonment issues and trust issues? And how do we do that is be able to sustain and retain by keeping our word 100%. So I had to go through the legislation opportunity so we could continue keeping our word. So our motto is never give up, never let go. Um, I have to keep my word by that because that's how I survived through the neighborhoods. That's how I survived through my past. And that's why we have the credibility of what we have now is why the trust in, we have within our communities and the individuals we work with. So I'm, I bet you never really take the time to reflect. We talked about a little bit before we, we jumped on air here about, you know, when you're doing a dissertation and earning a PhD, it's like, holy cow, I'm really doing this. That had to be kind of the same thing when you're dealing with the legislature and state senators and, and doing these, these historic bills. It had to be one of those, wow, how did I, I get here? This is this is awesome. Yeah, it's um, it feels surreal. I'm at, sure. At that moment, absolutely. I'm sure. Spiritually, it, it, it's only a blessing. Like when I can't fathom it right um you know it, it's a blessing for me for sure you know um at one time i was called a menace to society by a judge that was sentencing me wow when i got my phd i'm a talker and i had no words to say um because tears were just coming from my eyes because it was such a surreal moment of pride for me um which i never knew could be accomplished by me um and then pass, passing legislation um I felt for me was me keeping my word for my communities the way that I used to in the hood in a deviant way, but now keeping the word for my communities yeah, in a awesome. prosperous, integral way, you know. So it was just so monumental for me in every. Those are tears of my career, and um, 
but they keep me humble because it's a lot of hard work yeah. to get there. Right. You know, but it's so well worth it. Well, and like most nonprofits, I always say most nonprofits, their ultimate goal would be to go out of business, right? Meaning that people don't need right. you anymore. Absolutely. But sadly, that's not going to happen. So these tr- this transformation that you went through has to be such a beacon of hope for people. You know, do you have any favorite success stories of fo- folks that you've worked with? That's a tough question because I'm sure there's more than you can remember. But are there any that really stand out that you're really super proud of? There, there's many. I'm sure. And there's many. You know, definitely watching kids graduate and have hope when they didn't when they first met us watching families come together and unite and strengthen each other instead of bring each other down and blame each other um, they work together as a unit um, watching community come together and start speaking and compliment one another instead of be weary and paranoid of each other is monumental um, and that's the grandiose type of right. stuff, right? Um, but something that always sticks in my heart is I'd worked with this young man for like two or three years. He was a generational gang member, worked with his family. It was very, very difficult. He uh, went in and out. He was shot at the time that I was working mm. with him, you know, in the interim of time I was working with him. But, you know, fast forwarding probably about two or three years, um, it was near Christmas. We were getting ready for our Christmas event. And he said, I'd really love to see you individually in your office. Um, so I went up there and he had a Christmas present for me. And I was like, man, you're, you're gift enough to me. Right. You know, I don't need any presents because I know he was just starting out in a good job that we had got him. Nice. And the Christmas present was, it was all his gang apparel. Oh, wow. Um, he had went through all the processes um, of announcing what he wanted to do to disengage. From there, I've continued to help him to fully disengage. But... Um, that was one of the best Christmas presents I've ever gotten oh in my, my life. Oh my gosh, that had to be such a mission. This is this is what we're here for. Absolutely, it's confirmation. That, that's exactly, confirmation. Yeah. So tell me, where does never give up, never let go come from? Comes from the reality of the world we work in. Um, we do youth violence reduction with the individuals we work with that um, through in-reach and re-entry from Department of Corrections, our criteria there is medium to high risk. Mental health and substance abuse, uh, we deal with a lot of trauma, a lot of misuse and dependency. Um, And if we drop a ball, their big homie, their OG, the drug dealer, or whoever might be who is influencing that in their life will be there when we're not. Um, Hmm. Not only living the life and going and getting my bachelor's degree and PhD, that's phenomenal. But the transition and recovery of that life was the scariest part of my life. I'll bet. Um, It's when I felt the most vulnerable. Um, When you disengage from a gang, um, you're not looked at to be as superior. You don't have that unit anymore. And you consumed your life around that. Right. You created biopsychosocial damage, right? Um, so in transitioning, you feel that because you are alone at that point. Um, and then, if you're trying to stay clean, you now don't have drugs and alcohols to mm. mask your emotions or met to mask how you're feeling. Right. Um, you have to learn how to deal with trauma, the traumas of your past and all yeah. that, right? So if you want it bad enough, you're forced to learn how to assert yourself into individuals and a community that are in the same mind frame as you 
and that's an unknown right and that unknown is scary because we can't defend ourselves how we used to defend ourselves right. we can't act how we used to act right but we don't want to lose who we are we don't want to be superficial so how do i keep who i am which is my morals my beliefs and my loyalties but be able to represent myself to 100 percent provide different opportunities for me that's the scariest part of my life yeah. outside of all the gang stuff all the drug distribution stuff and even all the education stuff so at that time i had key people in my life that never gave up on me i could call them at two o'clock in the morning three o'clock in the morning because between 12 and 4 is when you're partying the hardest right. when you're doing the grimiest things out there to get back at stuff right um so that's the loneliest time you know when you're off of work and all of that so that's the meaning behind never let go. And that's why I say it's 365, 24 yeah. seven. And I always tell them, call us on our stuff. That's the only way you're gonna see that what we're saying is 100%, we got you. Um, and through our actions, we show them that. And I believe that's a big part of our success because if they call us at two or three in the morning, we respond always, always. Because yeah. you know, you've been there, know. you know that, that 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 could be a tipping point one way or another, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So this work you're doing is definitely not for the faint of heart. It's the, what you're doing is definitely the road less traveled. You know, what keeps you going and motivated and excited for the future? Because I believe in people the way a person believed in me. When I was lost people seen within me that I didn't need to be lost. Um, and I want to move that forward, right? I want to pass that forward um, to be able to pe provide the opportunity and understanding that you are worthy of what you feel you need, want, deserve, and desire. And whatever we have to go through, through with you and walk by, alongside with you to help you learn how to cope and heal, to understand you're made on purpose for a purpose, and let's live in that purpose because there is no high better than living in your purpose, um, that then continues to fill my tank um, to continue moving forward. Um, and we have to, I always tell my team, I have a staff of now 33. It's, um, I have to always tell my team, you know, um, you have to look in the optimistic lens of things because the world is tough. Yeah. So if we can look in the optimistic lens of things and c communicate what we need to to be able to continue that perspective, we get to mirror the change we want to see. Um, and we get in law of attraction, you know, yeah. we get to pass that energy on and be that right. light in some darkness. And that's a learned skill, though, to re understand that it is a choice. You know, looking at you can you have a choice at how you can look at things. You can look at it from an optimistic, positive standpoint, or another thing. You have to train yourself, right, to yes. do that. Absolutely. So I'm sure that's a big part of your work in dealing with this, folks. Is look, you have you can look at it one way or another. You can look at it, I've got a felony, so I've got no chance at a good job or or advancing myself. Or you know, I can take another road and follow your example. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and really to get them to that point is we're working within their biology. 85% of what we learn is through our eyes, what we've been nurtured, right? So we have to tear through all of their reasonings because their justification of their behaviors, um, they're real. Right. That's how they're surviving. It's meeting yeah. their needs. So I'm not going to discount that. It's how do we bring those strengths into a integral, assertive way instead of an aggressive, 
um, deviant way um, to still get our needs met. And uh, it, then from there, it's just tearing through all of the, the trauma, from trauma bonding to, to PTSD and yeah. all the collateral damage that we collect from there. And the substance use, misuse, and, and dependency, they don't want to be in that stage, but it's worked because it numbed their thoughts, it numbed their emotions. So how do we meet their needs of how these drugs and behaviors have met their needs and then be able to provide them a grander opportunity to be able to now strive out of those and be able to create more of hope and dreams and desires because it's well-deserved, right? It's well-deserved, and they could end up sitting in an insanely cool office in Denver (laughs) doing great work helping people. Thank you. So what would be a grand dream that you have for Lifeline? The grand dream that I have for Lifeline is to not have to worry about ever going out of business, to be able to have my budget 40% unrestricted dollars by private donors, 60% grant funding, um, so we don't go out of business. And um, that then, having that security in place, I'm living my dream. and expanding and evolving is important to be able to reach the masses, absolutely. But that's only through a lot of strategy and placement because I make sure my foundation is solid so we run our programs to fidelity 100% because our people deserve 100% from us. So my grand dream is just to make sure that we never go out of business. We're able to keep our word and the longevity of that because our communities deserve it. And currently we're working on a, on a project to be able, we're building out um, a total of 60 units, 30 units um, for reentry, wow. and 30 units for families and youth. And that's um, some of the needs and demands that we have been up against here for some years, and we've been able to get some of the blessings to start aligning that project there. So yeah. um, that will complete a lot of that. We also was able to get some land out in Hartzell for to get people out of the community, enjoy the serenity of the mountains, and nice. and experience that. So just being, I'm living in my dream. I'm evolving to the point to really conclude that. And then what allows me to continue with it is just making sure I have my budget correct and, and enough people that, that believe in us and what we're doing to be able to help invest in us so we can continue investing in the community. That's awesome. Well, it's yeah. got to be, I, I would love to see some math about how if you work with somebody, the impact that it makes on the community has got to stretch out years and probably generations. I mean, you're impacting future generations, right? Yes. So the, the, the math has got to be phenomenal. Um, about you know what you're saving the community in the long term and helping these folks. Thank you. Um, so just to change gears a little bit as I wind down and, and let you get back to your life, uh, tell me what is something that you will read, listen to, or watch today? What I will read, listen to, or watch today? Yeah. Um, well, I will be reading and listening to um, a lot of post shooting activities that we have been working through um, within these last weeks. There has been Sadly, some homicides no here. Of that, huh? No shortage of that. Um, 
But what I get to watch this afternoon is um, taking my son to baseball practice, ah, nice. getting prepared for our tournament this weekend. So I always make sure with myself as well as my team is we have balance within our life, professional and personal. We can't neglect our personal while we're doing our professional because our backyard, our family is just important as each individual Absolutely. family and community that we're serving as well. So try to tr you know provide as much balance as I can. Excellent. Now, mm -hmm. can you tell me who has been a role model for you in doing this work that you're doing? Oh, absolutely. Um, I would say Richard Ramos. He is the founder and executive director of um, Latino Coalition, which are some funders of ours, but friends of ours. Richard Paul, which is the director, um, deputy director of Latino Coalition. Christy Donner, which is the founder and executive director of Colorado Criminal Justice Reform Coalition. Um, and Gail Gonzalez, which is my accountant. But she just teaches me so much about the world as she's the youngest daughter of Corky Gonzalez, which has led the crusade for justice yeah. within the Chicano movement, which is a big passion of mine, which is offering healing, education, and employment opportunities, hence my organization, yeah. you know, um, for all hearts and souls. Awesome. Right? And I reach out to those individuals professionally, um, because they have been doing what I've been doing and very successfully for many more years than I have. So I, I see them as the professionals and they are very humble with the graceful heart um, to be able to teach because their belief system is the same as mine. And personally, um, I reach out to my mom and my wife and my kids and my Lifeline family because um, we over communicate to be able to keep our glasses full for when we're pouring out we're not empty yeah yeah well and that has to be one of the more satisfying pieces to go from that part where your mom's telling you you're basically making her sick when you're incarcerated to now she's one of your closest confidants that has to be a tremendous source of pride for you yeah it is you know she and she never um She's never not intentional. She is very intentional always about, a better way of saying that, she's very intentional always um, of telling me how proud of me she is, you know, um, and her, her eyes always gloss up, you know. Um, she, she's my soldier. Um, her Nothing and my better wife, than making mom proud. Her and my wife, um, <laughs> out of all the guys that I hung around with, some tough guys and what we were doing, knuckleheads at that time, um, those were the strongest women and my sister. Um, in my life to help me get through all of that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. So outside of Lifeline Colorado, is there an organization, you kind of mentioned one, that you really admire the work they're doing or want to give a shout out to? Absolutely. Um, definitely Latino Coalition, Colorado Criminal Justice Reform Coalition, um, Struggle of Love Foundation, um, Make a Chess Move, which is MACM, um, Heavy Hands and Heavy Hearts, GRASP, and OCVS, um, big partners of ours. Um, and def yeah, big partners of ours in, in the realms that, that we're working. And I could keep going and I'm give sure. me the shout outs, but to all my reentry team uh, within the wages partners, shout outs because uh, we couldn't do it without them. All of our youth violence reduction teams and collaborates couldn't do it without them. And all of our mental health and substance abuse collaborates couldn't do it without you. Love you guys from the bottom of our heart. Awesome. <laughs> my last one. If somebody wants to support what you're doing, and I hope a lot of people do, they want to learn more about what you're doing, what's the best way to find you? Um, the best way is you could go to our web website at www.life-linecolorado.org. 
Um, you can know all about us, read all about us, um, donate if you would like. Um, you could also email us, you could also call us. Um, and then uh, it's al.alirez at life-linecolorado.org. And our phone number is 720-365-0625. Try not to call at 2 a.m., but you will answer if they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Leo, thanks a ton. Keep up the great work. I couldn't admire what you're doing anymore. At the baseline of what you're doing, you're providing hope. Thank you. So thanks, Thank you thanks so again, and, and Godspeed. And Jay, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Dr. Leo for so openly sharing his inspirational story. This podcast was brought to you by JC Charity Services. Being a nonprofit leader is hard, and I can help you thrive. Find me at makingourworldbetter.com. To learn more about how you can support Lifeline Colorado and Dr. Leo's work, visit lifeline-colorado.org or call 720-328-5650. Check the show notes for links. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better.